It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Here are your hosts for this episode. Rich and Bryce Warfield. Episode 184. I'm fresh off the first track day of 2020. Had a great time with that. Spent the weekend camping with my boys. We've been watching some Moto America and all kinds of fun things. So John and Brother Bacon are in the mountains. They're tending to the Moto Nobody's Meetup. Also running the rides, rides? Running the routes and roads for the Loud Pipes Meetup that will be happening in October of this year. So as a fill-in, as a stand-in, if you will, I think he's tall enough. Let's bring in Bryce. How are you, buddy? I'm good. You're good? This the show's all for you, man. So we're gonna talk about track day, Moto America. What else? Supercross? Supercross. Supercross? Yeah. You digging Supercross this year? Yep. How many rounds have they run so far? Twelve. Twelve rounds? Yes. Tomac for the win? You think? Maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. We'll get into that later. All right. Well, as you know, we usually do a round of beverages. So I'll start with you, Bryce. What's in your glass? I have some pure leaf sweet tea. Sweet tea. Very nice. All right. And mine is in a can. But no, it's not a beer. This is espresso with cream from Black Rifle Coffee Company. Love this stuff. Drink it when it's hot. And it is certainly hot right now. All right, you've listened to the show long enough. What's next? We're going to do the first track day of 2020. That'll work, right? Yes. All right, first track day of 2020. So good to have that under the belt. Seems like I spent, man, seems like we spent all winter working on the bike, working on the trailer, new gear, working on myself. I think I was about 10 pounds lighter than I was in the fall, which is nice. That was a good, a good change. It did make the suit not fit. <laughs> My suit doesn't fit any better than it did before, but it's still okay. So. So thank you for your help this winter. What was, what was the most fun for you this winter, working on the bike or the trailer? I'd what? say the bike. Just the bike? like getting my hands greasy. You like getting your hands greasy. <laughs> Mommy doesn't like it, but you like it. Cool. What was, the, what was the coolest part we worked on this winter? Do you remember? I'd say probably in the front end. The front end? All in the front, putting stickers on. Ah, you like the stickers. How about when we tore the... The front end apart to replace those bearings, the steering it, steering stem bearings. Oh, that was long and hard. Parts all over the basement. So yeah, let's set the stage here for the first track day. So I went back to Carolina Motorsports Park. I've been there now four times. And this one was with a group called Pre, or Performance Riding Experience. And this group came came highly recommended, highly regarded, I guess I would say. So Alan went with me for this one. He did my first track day with me that we did with N2. And then I subsequently did another one with Sport Bike Track Time. And then I did a third one with N2. And I will say that Pre 
first of all, put on a great event. This is the first event kicking off after the pandemic. So, you know, they had some different rules to work with. You know, Bryce couldn't go, of course. Ooh, he sheds a tear. So no spectators, you know, no no visitors per se. You, you could have one person as a, I guess, as a pit hand if you really needed someone to help you get on the track. But don't smile too much. You had to be 18. So that was a lot of fun and just uh, ran all eight sessions of the day. So that was a change. So pre-runs eight sessions, not seven like the other ones. So they start a half hour earlier and end a half hour later than ones I've done in the past. So that was nice. Get 20 more minutes of track time out there. And just overall, I think I would say that the, at least the clientele for pre seems to be a, a notch up maybe on the, the lifestyle ladder, if you will. Maybe a little more affluent, much more RVs, some bigger, bigger, really nice RVs as well. Whereas the other track days I went to, you know, a lot more open trailers and, and maybe it's just the nature of where people are coming from, you know, maybe traveling a little farther to ride with pre versus, you know, the other ones might've been people that were more local. Uh, I'm not sure what the case, but definitely seemed like there was a, a little more money floating around in the paddock. Uh, let's see. So Bryce, I know you have some questions for me. Yep. We'll go through those. We'll dive into that. And then I'll try to, I'll try to pepper in my experience of, of this, this now my, my fourth track day. Okay. So I have six questions for you. Oh boy. All right. Here we go. The first one is, how did, how did you feel on the track? Well, let's see. So my last track day was in August. So it had been quite a few months since getting out there. So in the first few sessions, how do I want to explain it? I won't say that it felt like the first time again, but it definitely was a, it definitely took a minute to get used to riding on the track again. So I was a little, you know, a little tight in the saddle, a little too tight on the bars, just not, not relaxed enough. And the first couple sessions, I really, I would say kind of had my worst riding as you would expect to get better throughout the day. But I had one where I, I ran wide in the carousel. So it was this long sweeping right-hand carousel. And I just target fixated on some water. So it was wet in the morning. The track was a little wet and there was a little standing water. And I come around the carousel. I looked at the rumble strips and I thought, huh, there's water in those rumble strips. And then that's what happens. You know, you, you basically, you go where your eyes look. And that's what I did. I drove right over the rumble strips. <laughs> so that was kind of the first incident. And, you know, I didn't didn't drop the bike or anything weird. I just stayed in the throttle, kept it straight and motored on down straight away. Uh, but I will say this was the first interaction with the control rider for pre, which I thought was great. There was a rider who, who passed me shortly after that. I think, I believe it was Dan um, or Daniel. I looked at it, his, for his uh, profile on the forum. So he had, had ridden past me and then gave me a little tap on the head. So I, I followed him for a while and, started to follow his line and, and do what he was doing. And, and one of the things I noticed about their control riders, and maybe I just never noticed this before, but these guys look way off into the corner. Like when they're in the corner, their body position is quite extreme and their head is, is really turned down the corner. So I started doing that more and more throughout the day, getting my body a little lower. And then of course, looking even farther ahead than I normally would. And, and that seemed to help. 
Okay. Second one. What did you improve most from your last track day? Ah, what did I improve most? Well, the time improved a little bit. <laughs> so I, I, I don't run a, a stopwatch or anything, but just based on the video that I ran, just doing a basic, you know, time sequence on the video, uh, looks like I was about two, two seconds faster than my last time out for my overall, but my consistency was better and lap over lap, each lap was quicker. So I think of all the laps, I want to say half of them were ran at 2.11. So when I look at the chart, you know, it was like 2.11, 11, 9, you know, 10, 11, 11, and they're just very, very consistent. So that was one thing. And then a little better body positioning, I think, is what also improved. And you can see it in the picture with the interceptor, for sure, which we'll, we'll talk about a little later. But I worked on you know, getting my butt off the seat a little bit, getting my head down, you know, getting my body kind of down where it should be in the corners. And then also trying to tuck a little more down the straightaway, keep my head behind the screen and things like that. So, you know, losing a few pounds this winter and stretching a little bit definitely paid off on the bike and, and felt a little more comfortable there. Okay. What do you like about doing track days? Oh, man. Ah, uh, the the thing I like is the the freedom, and it's it's hard to describe. But you know, when you're riding on the road, you can there's opportunities to ride fast, of course. But there's so many obstacles, and there's so many mental things to think about on the road. You know, there's there's traffic, other cars, you know, other things that might be laying in the road. You know, not to mention law enforcement who may want to ruin your day for having some some spirited riding. So. All that stuff that you think about on the street really doesn't come into play. I mean, of course, you still have to look for obstacles. You know, there might be debris on the track. You know, a bike might get crossed up. Or you do have to deal with other bike traffic, but it's different. Because everyone's going the same direction. Everyone's going fast. Everyone has the same mission. And it's just relaxing mentally to not think about the road hazards and just focus on a good clean lap, you know, getting into the corner cleanly, you know, bra- breaking the bike where I want to, running through the corner smooth and consistent, and then the speed, you know, just ringing the death out of that R6 down the straightaway. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. Would you like to have your coach at the track? I would. And who is my coach? Me. You. Well, can I ask you a question? Yes. So based on the pictures and the video that you saw, did you see an improvement, Mr. Coach? Yeah, I saw some improvement. In what way? Probably staying in like a consistent line. Like I see one picture from, and then there's one, there's one picture where you're in one line and then the other, another picture would be almost consistent like you were running the same line. That's also what I saw in the video. So you were kind of running the same line okay. over through the laps. progress As the laps moved, uh, progressed, I get you. So what do you think about the pictures of, well, actually, sorry, let me take a step back. So I took both bikes to this track day. So my, my beloved R6, which I worked on all winter, it felt like, and all 
you know, during the first part of the pandemic. And I took the interceptor for a couple of reasons. I took it as a backup because I had so much of the R6 torn apart. I didn't know, you know, if something wasn't going to be right. And I just didn't want a chance not running the track day for the whole session, like for the whole day. So I figured if something's wrong with that bike, I will use the redhead. And then the other thing was I just wanted to feel that bike on the track. I wanted to see the differences, how it delivers power, how it handles in the corner, you know, the extra hundred or so pounds that it has, um, you know, different wheelbase, different ergonomics, just what, you know, I wanted to experience what is it like to ride that bike the same way that I had been the R6 in the previous three track days. And it, it was wonderful. You know, it was nice to, to ride that bike. And I was within a couple seconds of, of the lap time as I was on the R6, and I only did two sessions. So it was fun. And that, that's a long way of saying my body positioning improved on the Interceptor because I'm not as tight on that bike. I'm not as bound up because the R6 is it's a little bike. You know, it's very tight, and it's a very compact motorcycle. So the Interceptor has a longer wheelbase. The bars are a little higher. You know, the seat's a little, is it higher? A little farther back because the tank is longer. So I'm just more comfortable in the saddle. So I felt more comfortable getting my head out and down. And in a couple of the pictures that we'll try to put in the show notes, you can see huge difference from how I ride the R6. So maybe a different bike in the future. Okay. Did you like the pictures that were taken at the track from previous track days? I did. Okay. Versus what? Do you have more to that question? Like from like your first track day and then more um, progress you saw and improvement? Oh, yeah. I see where you're going. Yeah. So the newest photos, um, first of all, shout out to Raul over at uh, Highside Photos come through with another amazing set of photos which is always nice to look at and yeah i think that's the the ones later in the day you can see definitely more a little more lean more body position just looking more and more like a track rider and less like a street rider so that's what i like okay now this one might be a little tough oh oh the tough question he says (laughs) which bike did you like best on the track Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I, I, I don't think I could pick a favorite. I enjoyed riding both of them. I really did. But it, it surprised me how quickly I got up to speed with the Interceptor and ran it at almost the same pace. The RoadSmart three tires handled just as well as the Michelins that I have on the, on the R6 even though it's a heavier bike. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's the that's the thing I realized riding the Interceptor is how much I'm how hard I'm working to ride that older, much older R6. And I was fighting with a brake caliper that was sticking or not a brake caliper, sorry, a brake uh, master cylinder. Uh to the point where I really stopped riding it late in the day cuz I just couldn't brake smoothly with it. The lever was super hard. And then eventually that hardness would break free, and then I would get a lot more braking than I wanted. So I, I realized later in the day that it was time to stop riding that bike. So I was really glad that I had the Interceptor. So it's a tough one. I think 
I think all things considered, I still prefer riding the R6 on the track because that's that's what it's made for. I had I had a lot of fun riding the Interceptor, but it's not a track bike, so I don't know that I want to do that on a regular basis. I think just get the get the master cylinder fixed on the R6. I will probably also add a uh, inexpensive steering damper because I noticed putting those new bearings um, in the bike for the, the new steering stem bearings just made it real twitchy because the steering now was a lot smoother and it was a lot easier to turn the bars. It made the bike more more twitchy and you can see it on the video if you compare the first three. Well, no, I didn't run video the first two track days. I think it was the third one. So if you look at video from August and you look at video now from this one I did with Pre, although I'm quicker, you can see the bike is moving around a lot more. And in the corners, you see a lot of movement of the bars. And it was a lot more twitchy, um, especially on the brakes and, and getting on the throttle. So I think a steering damper is in order for that bike. And of course, once the master cylinder is fixed, I think it'll be ready to go. Okay. So you saw the videos. Which one did you like, Mr. B? Probably some of the ones with the Interceptor. You like that video? Yeah. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Oh. Oh. I will have to put a little, we'll put a link in the show notes to a couple of videos, uh, probably session five and six for the R6, and then session eight was the only one I did video for the Interceptor, and man, the sound of that thing at 10,000, like between 10 and 12, it's like, it's MotoGP all day, baby. Sounds good. All right, what else you got? Is that it for questions? I think so. You think so? So when you said you didn't like any bike, now, now that it comes to think about it, when I told you about their blue and red, yeah. Democrats and Republicans, so they're equal. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. So you have to explain that part a little bit. So as I had the bikes loaded up on the trailer, which we'll talk about the trailer in a second. So the Interceptor, of course, is beautiful red, and the R6 is a, is a beautiful blue. So when they were side by side, that's what Bryce was saying as I was leaving. He says, well, you have one Republican bike and one Democrat bike. <laughs> we'll see which one is faster. <laughs> so yeah, they were both good bikes. So each party can, can take a win from the track day. How about that? Okay. So what do you think of the trailer? We did a lot in like two months. About two months, yeah. The first part was boring. The sanding it down. Grinding, stripping, yeah. Cleaning the rust and paint. But then as it progressed, like the painting and getting the tape done and putting it back on, that was pretty fun. So we stripped it down. Um, I bought the trailer from Alan, so thanks again for that, buddy. And it's one of those Kendon folding trailers, or I guess they call it the Kendon stand-up. And it's their original generation. It's not the, the newest one, but I think it's a 2004, maybe. And they redesigned them pretty substantially, I want to say, in like 06. And so this is the original one, square tubing, um, you know, more simple design. The new ones, I think, are all round tubing, and it's a lot more smooth. And, and uh, they even have some now that have a little cargo area. But that worked out pretty neat. So we, we grounded down, sanded it off. 
probably not the best, but we got all the rust off of it and shots of black paint on it. And then we did some double red stripes down the fenders, which turned out pretty well. And that, and that trailer was, was just perfect for taking those two bikes. Just had the R6 on there and the interceptor strapped them down good. They never moved all the way down. Pulled it with the Jeep. Didn't even hardly know it was back there. So I think the trailer itself weighs just under 500 pounds, I think. And the Interceptor is 500 some. The R6 is about 400. So probably less than 1,500 pounds all in. Now, I didn't put anything else on the trailer. So just put everything else inside the Jeep, which is going to be tough if you and Cameron want to come with me in the future. I thought you put the gas can on the trailer. No, that ended up going inside. Oh. But if you notice, the back seat was down. So there was only one seat left <laughs> in the front. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, trailer worked good. Let's talk a little bit about some gear. So I added some gear this go around. So Bryce got to see boxes show up every couple of weeks this winter. Um, new RST gloves, which worked out really well. I like those. And new RST boots, which I think are the same style and brand. Um, a brand new Shoei helmet, another RF-1200, this time in white. And what else did we add? Oh, safety gear. Back protector. Back protector, yeah. What did you think of that thing? It looked tight on you. It looked tight? <laughs> it definitely made the suit a little tighter. So um, I guess shout out to Sport Bike Track Gear. They had a closeout um, Corsair back protector that I was, I don't want to say I was dreading it, but I wasn't looking forward to wearing another piece of gear, especially when it gets hot and humid. But I have to say, after wearing it for a whole day, it was fine. I didn't even hardly notice it was there. It had a nice um, waistband, which was tight, kind of doubled as a kidney belt, strapped over the shoulder, had a strap across the chest. And once I put the suit on, I didn't even hardly know it was there. Especially when you were on the bike in the track riding position, I didn't even know it was there. It was only when I was walking around in the pits when I still had it on and if I had the suit zipped up, then I could kind of feel it bunching a little bit under the suit. But if I just pulled the zipper down to like the waist on the suit, then it was fine. It was I'm stunned at how comfortable it was to wear it. So We'll be wearing that long term. But yeah, all the gear worked great. Love the boots, love the gloves, new helmet. Of course, the showy is, is fantastic. And all in all, a good day. Did you have other questions for me or is that it? No. No, no more? No more. <laughs> uh, let me give a shout out to Alan. I want to thank him for um, sharing a pit with me and, of course, a little bit of his AC from the RV. And he brought a brand new Tracer 900 GT from Yamaha, which he tracked like a beast. And what does he buy? He bought a Street Triple. Uh, he bought a Triumph Street, Street, yeah, Street Triple again, but there was something wrong with the starter and he, he wasn't able to track it. So he had just picked up the Tracer for the road and ended up tracking that thing. And he was good and fast on it. Wore out a rear tire in one day. So props to him. He was he was riding the snot out of it. Cool, man. We done with track day? Yeah. 
thank some people and we'll talk about Moto America. Sure. All right. I want to take a moment here and thank the supporters of Loud Pipes. We work on the value for value exchange, which is a, a very simple model. If you find some value in the show, just return what you think it's worth to you monetarily, and that helps keep the lights on and, and brightens our day a little bit as we continue to make the show. So in for episode 184, I would like to thank Zion. He is not only in for 184 support, but he also set that up as monthly contribution. So thank you, Zion, for that. Much, much appreciated. And that brings the monthly list of support now to a total of four, and that would be Tim, Kevin, Chuck, and Zion. Thank you, fellas. Much, uh, much appreciated. You can join the list of supporters for show 185 by visiting loudpipes.net slash donate. You can send a one-time donation there or set up a monthly, as those other guys have done. And anyone who sends a one-time donation of 10 or more will be sending a, a pack of stickers until the current stock is gone. What do we got, Bryce? Two stack, two packs of stickers left over there? Yeah, it looks like two full ones and then a partial. There's more upstairs. There's more upstairs? Yeah. Are you using them? No. No, okay. <laughs> Is your brother using them? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and we still have the clubhouse going on. If you set up monthly support at $5 or more, we'll add you into the Loud Pipes clubhouse. It's a lot of fun. I think there's about 30 of us in there nowadays. and um. Probably six to ten people active on any given time period. Um, I wouldn't say thirty every day, but it is it is it is fairly active, and we still enjoy it. Again, that's loudpipes.net slash donate. All right, Bryson, I want to talk a little bit about racing. But before we do, we have just a small bit of, of bad news to share. So I want to thank I want to thank Zach for sending this to us over on Facebook. And it was just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about these motorcycles, and they are called Rock On, R O K O N, and they are two wheel drive essentially. So the older models had a what looked like a a, a gear or chain drive system that connected the engine to the rear and and front wheel for for two-wheel drive and the newer ones look like it is some sort of electric motor in the front to make it two-wheel drive but the bad news we want to share is orla larson um, has recently died and to give you a little history on where he fits in the timeline i'll just read a little bit here from the rock on website so in 1958 Charles Fenn designs and produces the first all-wheel drive motorcycle. At that time, was dubbed the Trailmaker. Great picture of that here on the website. Then in 1960, Nethercut Industries purchases Charles' design and rebrands it as the Trailbreaker. And then production at that time is in Selmar, California. Then in 1963... This is where Orla comes in, was the most successful dealer of Nethercut's Trailbreaker, takes control and moves production to Wilmington, Vermont. So production moved around a bit in the New England area, and today is in Rochester, New Hampshire, and that is still headquarters of the company. So uh, our condolences to the family and friends of Orla, and just wanted to mention that. And thanks, Zach, for 
for pointing that out. All right, let's talk Moto America. We have now had two rounds. One or no, round. this is the first round. Wait, where was the? Oh, that was prac. That was um testing. Barber session was testing. Yeah. Okay, so I was thinking of the second round. So, first round for Moto America kicked off at Road America, and where is that? Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We watched, uh, what did we watch? Superbike, and we watched Super Sport today. I haven't got to the Stock 1000 or Twins Cup. I watched Twins Cup. Or, what is the other one? Liquid Molly Junior Cup? Yeah. So I haven't got to those yet. But I guess we'll start with Superbike. Team Yamaha all the way. What did you think of that? I think they had a pretty good weekend. Pretty good? Well, Attack Performance Yamaha had a great weekend. With Bobier winning both races, Gagne getting third the first and second, so they were on the podium all weekend. Nice. But then there was Westby Racing that got podium first race, but then got crashed, then crashed in the second race. Oh, how did he go out in the second race? What happened? He was long trying to come up in the inside, turn five. What they said was he was coming out from like no man's land and kind of <laughs> and hit the back of Skoltz and took him out into turn five. Oh, you're dogging Bobby Fong like that, huh? <laughs> well, I, I will say I will say Bobby ran a great race on Saturday because he finished where did he finish? Did he get third? Fourth. Fourth. And this is his first his first superbike race. Nope. After winning the Super Sport Championship last year. Well, not his first Superbike race, but his first since moving back from Super Sport. Yeah. So, when did he last run Superbike? Do you remember? I think 2016, 17. So, a couple years ago. Around then. Okay. Cool. So, any, any other observations from the race? How did uh, Tony Elias do? He had a rough weekend. Yeah. Not a good weekend for him. What happened in race one? That was mechanical, right? Lost the chain. Lost the chain. Almost unheard of. Losing a chain. Now, the chain didn't break, right? It just came off? It just fell off. It fell off. And in race two? He went down in turn five. Was that five or six? You know, he went down in turn five. The left hander. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what he did. He turned left into the turn, and he said the engine contacted the the track so i don't know if the if it hit the track or he hit the curbing on the inside but definitely hit the left side of the bike and then off he went cool any other standouts from Superbike? no no anyone really. else have a great day anybody on a red bike with a single-sided swing arm have a good day oh yeah kyle wyman <laughs> where did he end up saturday fourth fifth he in, saturday was fifth it was fifth yeah and then he got one spot up on Sunday. And who was the Ducati? Who was the other Ducati bike who was actually running the stock 1000 bike? Who uh, was that? Oh, no. Oh, I got to look it up while we're sitting here. You think? Stall for me. Hmm, let's see. Uh, PJ Jacobson? Does that sound right? Yeah, oh, yeah. PJ. Right there. Is that 99? Is that him? Wait. Yeah, BJ Jacobson, ninety nine. But he would, but that's actually a stock one thousand bike. Yes, that's not even a super bike. 
So I guess Moto America made a change this year um, where you can run the, the stock 1000s in the superbike races if you qualify. So, all right, let's see. Session results. That was race one, correct? Yeah. DJ Jacobson was seventh on his Ducati. Josh Heron was sixth. Kyle Wyman was fifth, like you said. Bobby Fong, fourth. Oh. Gagne, Skoltz, and Bobier. The Yamaha sweeper. Yamaha swept the podium. Look at that. Let's jump back to race two real quick. Make sure we get our back straight here. Bobier again knocks it down. Gagne gets second. So that's attack performance one, two. Good day for them. And then we had a BMW, Josh Heron on the podium. Good day for him. And then Wyman finished fourth. So good good weekend for Wyman. And PJ moves up to fifth. It's a good weekend all around for Ducati. That's great. Yep. Good to see some more makes up there. And and unfortunately for, for Tony Elias, he had a rough he had a rough go of it. And Bobby Fong, of course, crashed out as we talked about earlier. But yeah, nice mix of manufacturers there. But but I don't know. Yamaha looks good this year. I think they they better keep uh, Bobier out of the lead, or it's going to be lights out for I think anybody catching him. What do you think, championship wise, Bryce? Possibly. Number one keeps the number one. Is that what you're thinking? Maybe because I was thinking last year when I when we were reading those road magazines, how we were there were a lot of people le- like lots of good racers leaving, so there wasn't like that much competition. We thought, but now looking into it, I think there's a chance anything can happen now. Yeah. Well, the riders didn't necessarily leave, so we had we had a shift in I guess the way the teams are are structured. If that's the way of saying it, so that's it's not it's not factory Yamaha anymore. The bikes are run out of attack performance, but it's still you know still Cameron running the bike. And of course, I'm blanking. It was our buddy Gerloff? Derek Gerloff moved over to World Superbike, so we don't have him. But you know, Gagne is picking up picking up the slack pretty pretty nicely. So you, can I put you on? Can we write down a prediction for this year? You want to? You want to make a prediction for the championship? Yes. Who do you think? Like my top five people? We'll just do three. What's, what do you think the championship order will look like for 2020? How the points stand right now, I'm thinking it's going to be thinking it's going to be Cameron Bobier on top again. Okay. I think Repeat. he's trying to Again, maybe his fifth superbike class. Okay. Win. What do you think for who you like for number two? Well, right now it says that Jake Gagne is in second with thirty six, followed by Josh Heron with twenty six, and that Matthew Skultz is in fifth right now, and Bobby Fong in eighth. The people that were um up in the lead for the weekend, sort of. So I'm thinking. Maybe Jake Gagne will be in third, possibly. Okay. So in the championship. Who's your second? I'm going with Matthew Skoltz. Yeah, me too. I was just going to say that because I think I kind of like what what West, Westby Racing is doing over there. I listened to them this year, this year, I guess in the off season 
on the Moto America podcast. I like, kind of like what, what they're putting together. And plus, I like the look of the bike. So, <laughs> but no, Skoltz is a heck of a rider. And I think, I think he's, he's after it this year. And I'm, I'm looking for him to be second right behind Cameron. But it's, it's looking pretty good for, for Yamaha so far. And it's only one race, but, or one race round. But we will see. I had one thing about it. If Garrett Gerloff didn't leave to go to World Superbike, then that leaves Cameron Bobier with more, I think, competition after last year in Laguna Seca when he won race two, when he won his first Superbike win. Yeah. I'm think- and from there, he kind of was winning more because that's how a lot of races are in this cl- um, season. Or season? No. Class? Yeah. Season, class, all of the above. So, um, like, when they win, they motivated to try their hardest to get out in front to win again. Mm-hmm. So if he didn't go to World SBK, he might have had a huge shot at, well, not huge, he would have had a better shot this year of getting the number one plate. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, he's not running in Moto America, but it'd be curious to see what it would be like if, if if Gerloff stuck around, you know, would he would he be the championship winner this year, you know, or would would he be second to Bobier? So, yeah, we won't know because he's off racing and and World Superbike. So I can't wait for those to get started again. I mean, they get they got one round in this year, and that's it. We gotta we gotta see some more. I gotta look at the schedule. All right, let's see Super Sport. What do you think of Super Sport? Um, kind of not, don't watch that much. I mean, I kind of watch it nap from here and there, but so I'll, I'll let people in on the, on the backstory. So I know Bryce pretty much follows the super bike and I like the super sport mainly because I have an R6 and I like to hear them scream in 600s, but the racing just, I don't know. It was pretty spread out. Didn't you think? I mean, there really was not a lot of contention for the win. Ooh. I mean, did you? Some, I mean, did you get that sense in watching it, or? I mean, the first one. All right, let me pull up the results just so I I know what I'm talking about. Road America, Super Sport, and I fell asleep during race one because I was exhausted. Results, okay. So Richie Escalante, that's right. New team, new bike. He's on the Kawasaki ZX6R this year. And he mopped the field by more than 10 seconds in race one. So there really wasn't, and he pretty much ran away with it in race one. You know, he also won race two, but he kind of had that miss early on, had to come through the field a little bit. So he had a mm-hmm. little bit more of a challenge, but still, you know, it, and they were heading, you know, him and, um, I was saying Posh, they were 30 seconds ahead of third place. So it wasn't even close. So I, I get it from the racing perspective. It's not as good. It's not as close as Superbike. But I don't know. I just I like to hear those engines. I love to hear those bikes screaming around the track. Mm. And some of the Twins Cup races are even better. Like as far as how close the field is, some of those Twins Cup races are are the most exciting of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, because they're they're more tightly packed. You know, the bikes are a lot closer matched. The speeds are down a little bit comparatively, but 
the racing for a lot of those is really good. It's a little bit like when we watch Moto Three, you know, Moto GP, oh, yeah. where you've got you know you got your big GP bikes, which sometimes are snoozers because Marquez will run away with the show. And then Moto Two will be a little closer, and then Moto Three, like they're all on top of each other. Yeah, because they're all kind of you know same similar speed. So I see that some of the Twins Cup racing is like that, you know, where they're they're all on top of each other. Mm. So yeah, congrats to uh, Escalante for winning that one. And let's see, what was his margin of victory for race two? Do you remember? Mm, no, more than ten seconds, wasn't it? Yeah, sixteen seconds. Sean Dillon Kelly finished second, and he crashed out race one, right? Yes. Yeah, he had a pretty hard, he had a pretty hard off in race one. So yeah, sixteen second lead for race two. He was over ten second lead for race one. I would say that is a that's a heck of a weekend for a new team and a new bike. What did you think of that? Did you like that Kawasaki? Sort of. Yeah, you like Yamaha, don't you? Yeah, kind of. The bike looked good, though. I thought the bike looked good. Yeah. There was one thing I saw. The wind tunnel on his bike looked a lot like the 2020 MotoGP bike for Valentino Rossi and Maverick Vignola's bike for 2020. You're talking about the, like, between where the headlights would be? Yeah. The air intake there? That, they looked similar because they were long and they had that, like, V shape out the top and then straight down huh i didn't i didn't notice maybe that's just the body work that they put on it yeah i didn't i didn't notice good eye all right do you want to talk a little bit about superbike and then we'll we'll shut this down i think mommy's got some dinner ready okay go ahead see well this year it seems like the championship isn't going to be maybe as packed as last year. Wait, did I say Superbike or Supercross? You said Superbike. Superbike. Supercross is what we mean. Monster Energy Supercross. That's what we're talking about. Doing it in the dirt. Okay, now you can go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. So, with it, it started off with Tomac and Roxon battling with the red plate and Cooper Webb was just kind of hanging back and watching. He won one race, and then he won round 12. But until he won round 12, it was just Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon with the lead and Cooper Webb sitting there mm-hmm. in third. It was, there wasn't much competition from him, as in the 2019 season, where he was just out front doing his thing. But then this year, it seems like something happened, and he's just falling back in the pack. Hmm. So we're through 12 rounds, correct? So Salt Lake City was just this past, last weekend, right? Round 12 was June 3rd in Salt Lake City. Did you watch any of that yet? I watched the extended highlights. Just the highlights, okay. And let's see, then they go, actually today. They're in Salt Lake again. Ooh, what time? I don't know, but it says June 7th. That's today. And then the 10th, they're still in Salt Lake. Why? What um, is going on here? So I wonder if they just redid the schedule 
like the pandemic pandemic shuffle. It just moved everything to one particular place. Oh yeah. Instead of moving around. This is live, Bryce. Look at this. Look at those. Yeah, they're racing now. You see it? See the numbers changing? Mm-hmm. What are they doing now? So Cooper Webb is first. Oh, this is probably what they're going to do to see where they're going to end up in the heat race. Whether they get the best spot on the heat race. I think this is free practice. Because before the heat races, there's free practice. And then... Yeah. Well, it says 450, 450 heat one, six minutes plus a lap. But it says time to go is zero. But if you look at the timing and scoring, it's changing on the right-hand side. Well, it stopped. Yeah. And maybe it's done now. So it looks like everybody did eight laps. Roxon with the fastest, but he was 12 seconds behind Cooper Webb. So, so championship-wise, what do you think? Who do you like for the title in Supercross this year? Roxon. Do you like Roxon? Mm-hmm. I, is he leading right now? No, Tomac is. The, those are kind of my three favorite riders. Like, it'd be Roxon, then Cooper Webb, then Tomac. Okay. Even though I don't like those bikes as much, I kind of like the Hondas, the 450s, when you put a Yoshimura can on it, and it sounds great. And there's Two cans, yeah, if it's a Honda. Yeah, but it's more about what they're doing. They're winning. How I think Tomac won the Monster Energy Cup, which is cool, because it's really tough competition. You have to get out there. And you have to win all three races. Mm-hmm. And then there's, they won, all three of them won at least one championship in the 450 class, which isn't easy to do. Agree. That's it. Sorry, I changed the screen on you. I interrupted it. But um, as the champion stan- championship stands right now, uh, the only way Cooper Webb is going to get the number one plate again mm-hmm. is if. He does good in practice and qualifying and the heat laps so he can get the best start on the grid or one of the two best spots on the grid so that he can get out there, get the whole shot and lead so that he's not having to work his way up. And then Roxton and Tomac are battling it in the front. Okay. And that's the, so your three favorite riders ride three different bikes. So you said Roxton, Webb and Tomac. Yes. That's Honda, KTM, and Kawasaki? Yep. Webb's still on a Kawasaki, right? No, Webb is on a KTM. He, before he was on a Yamaha. I don't see your buddy Tomac on this list. Maybe he's not in Heat 1. 450 main event. So you know what? This is on tonight. We can probably watch this tonight. I think it's going on now. Yeah, it's going on right now. Right there, see? Sunday, June 7th. Group A qualifying, 1 o'clock, and then we go all the way down here to Heat 2. And now this is, Salt Lake is two or three hours behind us. So the 250 main, where's the 250 main? 450 main right there, 530. So it's either 730 or 830 for us. I think it's three hours back, so. 830. But that means it's going on now, so after dinner we can watch some. What are you? All right, any other observations from Supercross? No, but I have one question. Yeah. What is your favorite rider? My favorite rider? Yeah. In Supercross? Yep. 
I don't really have a favorite. I don't think. No, no favorite. No, I don't watch it as much as you do. <laughs> yeah, I, I was watching all the old races, like one with um, Tomac, Justin Barsha, and Ryan Dungey going after the number one plate one year. Mm-hmm. It was they all three had a chance. If Roxon and Bar, if Roxon won the race, and Barsha and Dungey were far in the back, Roxon would win it. If Barsha was out front and Roxon and Dungey were in the back, he would win he it. Would. Same with Dungey, but Dungey won it that year, and I think that that was his last superbike, supercross 450 win. Hmm. What is that big KTM you have? Whose bike is that? Ryan Dungey. But that's his last year, right? Yes. And when I say big, it's like, what, 112th scale? Yes. I think. Very cool model. But yeah, I don't have a favorite, but I, I loved going to to see Supercross live. That was cool. Our trip to Atlanta, that was so much fun. We we got to do that again. Yes. I don't know which one, but definitely want to go. Want to go back and see that. So what do you think between the Supercross that we did live and Moto America and, let's see, the Rolex at Daytona, which one of those three was your favorite? I would say maybe the Rolex 24. Oh, you like the Rolex, huh? There was more room to walk around. and There was a lot could, to do there, yeah. Yeah, there was more, to do, more stuff to do than at Supercross. Because it was tight space in Supercross, not so much Moto America. You could go different places. Yeah. But that meant we had to walk because we didn't take any bikes or bicycles. Yeah, walk. Lots so of walk. we were just walking around. <laughs> but then in um, the Rolex 24, you could go at Daytona, you could go through that bridge, go see lots of stuff in the infield, we'll go look at cars. And all their stuff that they have, yeah, and watch was, racing. There was definitely a lot to do with the Rolex, and that's a that's a huge event. But I think for Supercross, if we go back, I think we would go earlier, where we can watch some some practice and qualifying, and then have a leisurely time in the fan zone. You know what I'm talking about, like where the, the haulers were and all that. Yeah. So we can see more of the behind the scenes. Just just go a little earlier, so we can we can leisurely look at some of that stuff without having to rush to get there, you know, rush to meet everybody else we were meeting and then go sit down because the racing's about to start. I just think our weekend was a little short for Supercross. Mm. And Moto America is the same way, I think. If we do that again, we'll go all weekend. We'll go Friday, Saturday, Sunday and and relax a little bit, you know, camp out. Mm. Take our big tent. (laughs) Story for another show. But would um was it Supercross? The problem with getting earlies though, that's when usually the bigger crowds are in the haulers, I think, because since not much racing is starting, I saw it. That's when they had the autograph sessions too. Yeah, some of not all the riders are doing practice, so and there's very few people in the stands. So while you're trying to walk around, it's hard. But just before the racing's about to start and there's thirty minutes that's when you might want to dip down in before heat and get quick pictures of everything because that's when it's not as crowded. Everyone's going the opposite direction to go sit down and watch the race. Cool. Well, and I I think the big highlight for Moto America was the autographs. 
you know, getting Bobier and, and Gerloff in the same pit and autographs. I think that was the highlight of the weekend. And, and your brother Cameron still talks about that today. So I think that helps a lot. When you get something like that, that really makes the event. But Exciting. Cool. I'm glad to know you like the Rolex. We'll go back. Okay. Plus beach. I mean, how can you go wrong with beach and swimming pool? <laughs> and grandma and grandpa. All right. Anything else on Supercross? I think we are I think we're just about done with that. Yeah. Okay. I don't have anything else to add. I just let me talk about events a little bit because I have to add an event to the calendar. And John Bacon and Rico are not here, but I'm gonna add this one. So a bunch of the guys are still planning to go to Sturgis in twenty twenty in August. We have the fifth annual MPC coming up in September. Uh, dates coming out soon on that. And the Loud Pipes meet up October 9th through 12th in Teleco Plains. And I am pleased to announce that in June 2021, where am I going? Do you remember? No. IOMTT? Oh, Isle of Man TT. <laughs> So planning is officially underway to go to the TT for 2021. I have lodging secured for the 8th through the 12th of June, which will let me watch two days of racing, including sidecar race two and the senior TT on Friday. I have a ferry ticket from Dublin, Ireland over to Douglas on the 8th. And then the only one I could find coming back so far is going to be from, from the Isle of Man back to Belfast. And then I'll have to drive from Belfast down to Dublin and then fly back home. So that's what we have planned so far. So I have ferry transportation plus lodging. And I'm about a month and a half away from the flights opening up. So we'll lock that down. And, and then we'll work out all the other little details, like how I'm going to get around. If it's going to be a car or a bike or... A tricycle, who knows? We'll get we'll get something to get around in the island. Exciting. Did you get two ferry tickets? I did. But oh. the other one is for Rico. Aww. <laughs> well, you know what? If he decides he can't go, then we'll have to convince mommy to, to let you go. Or you could buy three. Or we could buy three, yes. It's a tough ticket to get, so you gotta plan ahead. And that's it. So notes of this show, some links to my track video, maybe a picture or two can be found on the website, loudpipes.net slash 184. We have links there where you can leave us some feedback. You can subscribe to the show with your favorite podcast app. And there's also links there to our social media, which is run by Brother Bacon. And if you found some value in the show, please consider supporting us at loudpipes.net forward slash donate. If you want to leave us a note there, um, that's something we're, we're happy to read on the show and all the perks we talked about earlier. Thanks again to all the guys for their monthly support. And thanks, Bryce, for hanging out. I appreciate it. Anytime. And with that, I will put my kickstands up. Mr. B? I think I'll just walk away. <laughs> You'll just walk away. All right, that's it. Good night.
please consider supporting the show. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate. 